Our future as humans may well be predicated on something that is possibly too difficult for us to achieve. I believe we have all that we need to get it done, except, perhaps, the willingness to do it. I believe there are at least two factors involved that together threaten our ability to survive, even though, again, we have all that we need to overcome them. The first factor that threatens our existence is illustrated by these considerations. The COVID-19 virus has killed over 4 million people worldwide, over 630,000 here in our country. Yet only half of us here in the States where vaccinations are readily available are fully vaccinated. Even though scientists and medical professionals tell us that wearing masks reduces the chances of catching or spreading the virus, hence saving lives, our own lives and the lives of our neighbors, many of us insist that wearing masks is an impingement upon our personal liberty. To make matters worse, the latest studies indicate that even fully vaccinated people can spread the Delta variant of the virus. This puts people at risk, including children. As of last week, over 400 children under 12 who cannot yet be vaccinated have died of COVID. That number may be low statistically, but if one of my two sons were among them, my world would be devastated. The first factor that threatens our existence is ego. Even in the face of overwhelming evidence and unbelievable suffering, many people think that their own personal liberty is most important. Four-year-olds are famous for telling their caregivers, you can't make me. Whether it is about eating vegetables or going to bed, four-year-olds assert their ego demands with all the conviction they can muster. Many adults have not developed morally beyond this four-year-old egomania. On the basis that they cannot be told what to do, they are willing to put themselves and everyone else at risk. Unvaccinated people are hothouses for virus mutations, making the problem even worse. But you can't make me seems to be the moral level that many people top out at. Ego wins, humanity loses. The response to COVID-19 is only one example among so many ego-driven calamities. Another example is climate change. Regardless of the increase in intensity and duration of wildfire and hurricane seasons, which everyone can see, in spite of the obvious degradation of polar ice caps, rising sea levels, and flooding on unprecedented scales, in spite of droughts and record temperatures, the idea of passing laws to reduce the effects of climate change is intolerable to people who will not under any circumstances be told what to do. Ego wins, the planet loses. Is the situation then hopeless? Do we have the resources to overcome ego? Yes, if we choose to use them. We will talk about that in a minute. The second factor that threatens our existence is tribalism. We all know that in our evolutionary history, our survival depended upon on being in a tribe. We needed cooperative hunting and defense. It worked. We learned to cooperate within our own tribe, but we also learned to fight off 
other tribes competing for the same resources. After thousands of years of this behavior, it is now deeply ingrained in us. We enjoy being part of a tribe. We become fiercely loyal to our tribe. We adopt our tribe's beliefs, prejudices, and points of view about politics, religion, and even science. We defend our tribe against all threats, real or imagined. We will even die for our tribe if push comes to shove. Tribalism, however, puts limits on our humanity. We can be as unsympathetic to the needs of people outside our tribe as we are attentive to the needs of insiders. We can be people of deep compassion, even sacrifice, for our own tribe's members, while being capable of brutality, torture, and atrocities against outsiders. We have empathy for our own kind, but apathy or even antipathy towards others. In a recent study, rats displayed the same empathy limitation. They put two rats in a plexiglass cage. One was free to run around. The other was confined to a plexiglass tunnel in the cage with air holes in it. They could see each other. The researchers did many experiments to test what brain regions were activated by this situation. They learned that the region of the brain associated with empathy was active in the free rat. That empathy motivated the free rat to try to open the door of the tunnel to allow the confined rat to be free. It took a number of days, but the free rat eventually learned how to open the tunnel door and let his colleague go free. That is, he opened the door for rats of his own subspecies. When the confined rat was of another subspecies, the empathy areas of the free rat's brain were activated, but he was not motivated to open the door. Tribalism overcame empathy. Rat-level moral reasoning is what causes people to be wonderful, compassionate, generous human beings to their own kind and the opposite to outsiders. Whether the tribe is political, religious, racial, or ethnic, rat-level ethics seems to be the highest level many of us achieve. We even go so far as to make issues like vaccinations and mask wearing and climate change into tribal issues. So, ego and tribalism combine to make finding common solutions unlikely. Well, I said that I believed we have all the resources we need to overcome ego and tribalism if we would only use them. We have the tools to deconstruct ego and dismantle tribalism. Some tools are from the world of reason, the world of science and history. Other tools come from our faith tradition and other faith traditions. Our survival as a species may well depend on these, so let us look at them. First, the tools to deconstruct ego. All we have to do is listen to the people who are experts, people who have nothing to gain personally, people who spend their lives researching and testing and simply believe what they report. All we need to do is to recognize our own limitations. Even the scientists among us, and most of us are not scientists, cannot be an expert in every field, so all of us should have the humility to listen to the experts. I don't know everything about cars, so I use a mechanic. 
I don't know everything about the internet, so I rely on experts. I am not an, an infectious disease doctor or climatologist, but I can have the humility to respect them, listen to them, and believe them. As a Christian, I have even more resources to deconstruct the ego. I can understand that I am a beloved child of God, but so is everyone else. There is nothing that makes anyone superior to anyone else in God's eyes. We are all precious souls, and we are all finite, mortal, mistake-prone humans. As a follower of Jesus, I hear the call to take the log out of my own eye before trying to remove the splinter from my neighbor's eye. I hear the call from Ephesians to, quote, be imitators of God as beloved children of God and to live in love. Practically, I can use the tools that help deconstruct the ego, like studying the Enneagram and practicing meditation. Most of us will not make use of these tools, but they are available and they work. We also have great resources by which to dismantle, dismantle tribalism, both tribal we also have great resources by which to demantle tribalism, both secular and religious, if we choose to use them. Historically, we know that all humans evolved from common ancestors. Scientifically, there are no such things as races. We are all homo sapiens. The concept of race, which is based on external features, is a social construct no more. So racism is at root complete ignorance. We do not all look the same, but we are all equally humans. Our faith provides even more resources for dismantling tribalism. We are taught by our tradition to consider each other, each one of us, as made, quote, in the image and likeness of God. The story of the separation of the languages and nations happened many generations after the original creation of one human family, before God all people are equally human, equally loved, and equally precious. Now, we need to admit that our tradition also contains a counter-narrative. In the story, Abraham and Sarah were, quote, the chosen people. God made a covenant with them and their ancestors. That division of humanity into us and them pervades the whole Old Testament. But we have the tools to deconstruct that binary, in the New Testament, we read that in Christ, there is no East or West. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all of you, it says, are one. So we are instructed, as Ephesians says, to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as we have been forgiven. Tribal animosity should be unthinkable in our communities, it is truly incompatible with our faith. So, racism, sexism, homophobia, and discrimination should be impossible for us. The bottom line for us is that we should be, quote, imitators of God as beloved children. God is love. So, Ephesians says we should live in love. This is precisely what we proclaim and experience every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper. It is communion, a common union of all of us as equals, sharing the one bread and one cup, remembering the life of Jesus, which was as ego-free and non-tribal as you could get, 
That is why celebrating communion is so central and so important as we try to live this alternative lifestyle in an age of ego tribalism. The alternative to the Jesus way is to allow ego and tribalism to destroy us. Someone said that humans are the only species that could choose not to go extinct, but we have not made that choice yet. Perhaps before it is too late, we will. Let us pray that we will.